Yeah, hi, and welcome to the second of our ARC2 wrap-up episodes here on the DNR Community Spotlight Show. Um, we're going to do Group B today. I'm Dave, Bike Guy Dave on the Discord, and I've got some people here with me, so let's introduce ourselves. Uh, this is uh, David Sheeks, D. Sheeks on Discord. I'm Ames or Flames, either works. And I'm Mark or Noxus Cram. I'm Steve the Wiki Guy. All right. Um, I think this is going to be a fun chat about uh, Group B here. Uh, we're going to do things a little bit different than the last one. If you listen to the last one, it'll probably end up pretty similar. Uh, basically, I'm going to do less summarizing. So that's pretty much the only change. Um, so the first uh, episode that we have picked out to focus on is Episode 9, The Swarm. Um, a, a couple things before that. I thought, um, so the, the arc started on the first of Yesti, and the group was in Fair Bay, and they had the fun fair thing going on. And just a couple little notes that I thought were interesting out of that was um, that, like, the Black Hand was very present, like, early in the arc. And that followed the group through, like, with a long break in the middle, like, a year of real-time break in the middle before the Black Hand came back at the end of the arc. And just kind of re-listening, I had forgotten that the Black Hand was kind of the whole deal with this group from the start. So I don't know if anybody else has any thoughts on that, but um, that was something that stuck out to me from really early in the arc. I, I thought one thing that I, I thought stood out in that episode also was that we had the first sort of glimpse of Calden as maybe not being such a nice guy with his uh, uh, ice attacks, and he, he was... Uh, he was happy to kill off the uh, the guys that were looking for them. So that was kind of a, an interesting twist. That we had kind of just a little bit of a different version of Calden. I think I think Calden and his uh, icy ways is going to come up a little later in the discussion section. So nice. Uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Foreshadowing, I think there. That's right. Um, okay, so uh, let's head on to Mark is going to talk about episode nine, the swarm. Sure. So episode nine for me was just a really, uh, really jam packed. It had a lot of it had a lot of action, but it started out from a very lighthearted point. So we've got, uh, you know, we've got Braylon presenting these these really elaborate, wonderful disguises to uh, to uh, to the to the girls, and you know they. Yeah, gosh, it was it was that real peak inside of Jason's head as he's trying to describe them. As something out of a like a Frank Frazetta poster, but hmm. um, I don't know who yep. Frank Frazetta is. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, David Franklin. <laughs> My bad. Sorry, I was no, just no. pretending that I knew because I don't know. <laughs> I don't mind calling myself out. <laughs> Everybody's okay, he, doing a Google search. Dealer artwork was the most uh, probably the most famous. Okay. Guy with the big axe and the horned helmet and everything, and lots of busty women chained up around him. He does okay. a, lot of, a lot of book covers too. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Huh. We we had that, and then you know, from there it was pretty quick as they were making their way heading towards Lockfort. Um, that uh, you know, we had a couple of uh, well, obviously that was a bad role that was a carryover from the previous episode. But the next one that we had was the bad roll on on tying up Braylon and Calden. 
And so we had a little bit of a, a flub there. But, oh. you know, I feel like it kind of got uh, redeemed once uh, once the swarm was identified. Mm. But, um, I mean, for me, I think the what was unique was seeing how they were able to deal with, with this swarm attack. Um, you know, this was a first time from what Jason was saying that any of these groups had had to deal with, with a swarm as a, as a major enemy, you know, something that's got resistance to basically all standard weapons. And, and one of the points that, that I'll probably talk about a little bit later is something that, that really caught me was uh, Val just stepping forward and reminding Jason that, hey, they still have these costumes on, so they're not wearing their regular armor. And so, you know, yeah, I, think was, I, I think it's important to the story, even though it means we'll probably die. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think they'd have fought a swarm of anything going back to, like, early Group 2 in Arc 1. Like swarms of rats, but it may be one or two. But yeah, that, as a enemy, how do you fight that without some kind of area spells or something specific? Yeah, especially because like Group B, you know, they have. Well, I guess at the time they had a few more magic users than weapon users, but still, Alina and Tatiana basically were both, you know. A little less useful than in other fights, just because the the swarms had resistance to their attacks. Yeah, you can't do much with arrows against a swarm. No. This was a chance that we got to see the uh, crit tables in action early on in the arc, so that's kind of fun, and uh, definitely had some results out of here. And maybe. Maybe this is where things got a little sideways for Group B, like already here by the third episode. It's like, oh, we got the black hand thing. Oh, wait, now Calden's arm is gone. Um, yeah, and, and that's partially why like they had all these different things to do for the whole arc and didn't get to a lot of them. So Well, they, they were definitely, they suffered from almost too many things going on and everything is kind of pressing. And Calden losing an arm was, it, unfortunately, they didn't really get to it, even though they tried and said, okay, we're going to go get these herbs. They hunted down things for Braylon that we'll get to later. But yeah, it, it just kind of fell off because they had a lot of little subplots going on. And even as late as like episode 60, they were still asking Ian, they're like, you know, do, you know, what? do you actually want to get your arm back? Yeah, so, I think Kelly asked him directly, do you even care? Right. Yep. I think that's one of those things, too, that it's like, it's been almost two years of real time, and it's maybe it's hard to care about that at that point. It's like, oh, I've been getting fine for so long, getting by fine for so long without this thing. Like, that's not that big a deal. Let's do something Yeah, it's else. only been a couple weeks in game, so it's easy to lose the urgency of it. And also, yeah. like, as a player, maybe, like, oh, my arm's a side quest. I really want to get to this main quest finally. Like, let's do something with the black hand. Like, I'll, I don't need my arm. Like, let's just go do this other thing. I think that might be part of it, too. So, okay. Um, anything else on that one? 
Um, I mean, really, other than just taking a second to really appreciate how disgustingly detailed Jason was getting with those razor flies. Um, other than yeah. that, you know, they, they wrapped up episode nine with that briar troll chasing him out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, can we go back to the, one of the other things in that it wasn't just Calvin losing an arm. It was Elena chopping off his arm. Yeah. Cause Calvin just lost use the hand of his hand and she chopped off a whole bunch more. Went from hand right. to all the way up from like elbow. hand up to the elbow. Yeah, so it's the second time in DNR history where something like that happened, which is like nuts, right? <laughs> How often does somebody get injured and then you try to, to clean up the wound and, and let me just take off a little bit extra. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Do you mind if I take a little off the top? Just, just a little bit. So how about up to your shoulder? We even talked about using a dagger, you know, uh Calvin had mentioned, you know, because Jason was talking about, well, you could really just step on it and rip it off of your arm. And he's like, <laughs> well, I could use a dagger. And then instead they went with, uh, you know, with Elena and her sword. Or we can use the giant ass sword, which is exactly what the problem was the last time. <laughs> or he could have frozen it. Hmm. Okay. I mean, you'd have to imagine that'd be painful trying to freeze your own like hand and then shatter it. I don't know. <laughs> hey, just a, a thing I thought of, if anybody out there hasn't listened to it, I think there's a Patreon thing, a, a bestiary entry for razor flies and some art that Jameson did for them. So yeah. that stuff's on the Patreon if anybody wants to check that out. So, okay. Um, the next episode was episode 11, the bar scene. That's just the next day after this. And the Sheik's had a little note about the, that one. Uh, well, I, I wasn't going to give a whole summary of the episode or whatever, but the, yeah. Totally. Uh, one, of, one of the fun things that I thought happened in that episode was uh, uh, when, when all the, the females went in the, in the party went into the, to uh, try to scout out things. Uh, poor, poor Elena was uh, upset because uh, the sort of disgusting guys weren't hitting on her. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> it's like, you know, everyone else was sort of complaining about the, uh, uh, the, quality of the people who were in, in the room and and elena was like wait a minute nobody nobody's uh, nobody's interested in me why is that it was pretty funny well yeah. I mean, to be fair sorry no, she, did walk, she did walk in on tatiana's arm so you could argue that they're like oh no she's taken man and then you have easy mark callie over there who's all by herself did she really want trent is the question <laughs> oh man trent We'll get to Trent. Karen actually said something about that in uh, uh, on the Discord or something at, at some point, which was kind of funny, saying that you know she, you could clean him up and he wouldn't be so bad or something like that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so just a couple more little notes here. Um, so they spend the next few episodes kind of dealing with the Fang and such. So there's uh, the next episode. Uh, they deal with Ripley or not. Um, some interesting stuff with Tatiana that goes on there with Ripley. Um, and then the episode after that, uh, kind of early, super early in the arc, like more than I remembered, we have the first appearance of Lark in episode 20. And they also get those really awesome racehorses that they're totally going to return someday. 
if the demons <laughs> didn't eat them or the fang didn't eat them now that they're vampires or the fang just took it, who knows? And uh, and then the the bell ritual thing is coming up here. So, and that's my episode is episode 21, The Demon Under Donhurst. So anybody got anything on those in-between episodes that you want to talk about before I dive into that one? They're not getting their horses back. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I really liked what uh, Jamie did uh, with in the episode 18, the alert. I think that was one, the one where she uh, uh, goes in after, after everyone else has seen uh, Ripley. And she goes in there and has that whole conversation with them. Uh, I thought that was really great. Uh, that uh, and, and, and no one else, you know, obviously everybody's listening. Uh, but the characters don't know what's happened in there. And, and th that was just really a good scene and uh, a, a fun scene, too, with her, uh, you know, pulling out the knife and stabbing it in the chair and leaving everything. I really I really thought that was good. Yeah. Considering she didn't want to go in at all in the previous episode. Yep. Um, and, and she was like, I don't want Elena to go in. I'm not going in myself. I don't think we should deal with him at all. And then she goes in for this power move and, you know, she's circling the chair and taunting him essentially. And he did say something interesting. And I think everyone assumed that it meant Tatiana is that he said something like my lady friend um, has plans to take over when I'm dead or something to that effect. Um, and I think everyone assumed that was Tatiana. I when I listened to it again, I didn't get that impression. I think that maybe the fourth or the fifth um, Fang leader that we haven't got to, maybe someone, maybe a female that he's got some other association with, or maybe he meant the Countess, but I don't think so. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think it would be the Countess either, because I think that I think that came up later after they got to Donhurst. But yeah, I, I don't think she would have. He would have called her his lady friend at. I don't think that was the thing, but it, it seemed like he had someone else, and I just think the assumption was Tatiana, but I, I don't know. But does anyone think that Ripley was a, a vampire at that point in time? I, I, I certainly, I, I heard some, or saw, saw some discussions about that. I certainly didn't think so, and I think he was actually outside in uh, maybe that next episode. He was outside uh, um, the previous episode. Oh, no, pre previous he, episode, excuse me. When he had attacked Braylon. So. Yep. Yeah, yep. Uh, on the re-listen, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I didn't either. I know that Rob was, who has some experience with Therian vampire rules, um, was talking about it being possible. I don't know if there's detailed descriptions of what Ripley was wearing, um, but I think it would have been pointed out if he was like covered head to toe in some giant robe or uh, cloak or something. So, yeah, yeah and he, I don't know for he sure. Wasn't, he wasn't hindered at all by daylight. I wouldn't think so. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, that takes us to episode 21, The Demon Under Donhurst, and I chose to talk about this one, and after re-listening to it um, just a couple days ago, uh, some things that happened in here, uh, they did the bell ritual for the first time in the arc, and had some really awesome rolls. I think it was five straight successes, um, kind of using all kinds of tricks, like... Uh, DM inspiration that somebody loaned to Calvin, um, burning a sorcery point to get advantage, mm -hmm. uh, rolling a crit on the first one, which may or may not have counted as two successes. Not totally sure. 
Um, there's really like fun combat with these uh, really horrible creatures that Jason was describing that are like all <laughs> kinds of body parts jammed together. And uh, everybody really did something in that. And it, it was fun to listen to. And uh, one of my thoughts that I had for this was this seemed like a really big problem for like maybe a level two group or something. At the <laughs> yeah, <time>. exactly. <laughs> so yeah, but this, I had had in my notes that this was the first episode of many um, where Olena was just the MVP of the combat. Yeah, I remembered that as I was listening that she seemed to have some like big clutch roles all throughout the arc. I didn't remember it had started this early. And the other thing I remembered was that I think Larg missed like nine of his first 10 attack rolls on the show or something like that. <laughs> like he was rolling really bad at the start, but I just remember him as like the Larganator or whatever he became later on. But yeah, he, he was having some rough luck in this combat. So other than the turn undead that he did, that was pretty good. Yeah, so. I was going to say, I, I don't think that they rolled so spectacularly for the ritual. But like you said, they, they pulled out all the stops and through inspirations and every, every extra they could to make sure it worked. And from a in-character perspective, it probably went pretty flawlessly, but it wasn't for a lack of everyone pitching in. I thought it was yeah. a really great example of how you could take um, what could have been a, a fairly run-of-the-mill skill check challenge and really engaging all of the group um, and, and letting them all kind of shine in their own way. I, I wondered how... So, so I, just, just today I listened to the last episode and the, the, there's a... And I, just, I listened to that one uh, a few days ago. And there's a big difference between how uh, Jason treated the uh, uh, the ritual between the two episodes, and I, I I don't know how much of that was influenced by the fact that it was just like a level two group that was trying to do it the first time uh, that he he let them get away with a whole bunch of things, but he was he was a little more strict about things in the in in the last episode. And yeah. I mean, they're trying to do very different things too, right? In that yeah, that's what I was going to say. In episode 21, they're trying to shove the demon back into the portal. Which, I mean, and then in uh, in the finale, they're trying to summon a god while not letting any demons out of the portal. I don't know. I, I guess it could just be boiled down to they're trying to do two very different things in the two episodes. And that's why the skill check challenge went very differently. I don't know that they were trying to summon a god. Well, we can talk about that later, but... Um... I, th I think it was just trying to do the resurrection thing, but but yeah, yeah, the 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 bell has some variations in what it can do. It's kind of interesting. So, yeah, I it may just be that none of the weird stuff happened with demons because I don't think he failed a roll at all. So maybe that's maybe that's it. It was just hey, you succeeded every time. No crazy demons breached across the thing and and ate the party. Um, <laughs> The demons were already there, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they didn't true. need more. They had enough. <laughs> yeah, um, this also is like a big turning point in the arc. If this had not gone the way that it did, I thought we were going to be dealing with like going into this. I thought, hey, this demon thing is going to be like the big deal for the arc, and it wasn't. So because they just dealt with it really quickly in one episode, yeah. um, so that was kind of surprising, but. 
Okay, anything else on that one? But before we move on, I, I want to jump back just for a second to, yep. to 20 with the introdu introduction of Larg and just say that oh, Larg played with us in Patreon group one. And so I do how, how good Jameson was ahead of time, but uh, I thought he was actually really, really good for his first episode. He came in there and really hit the ball out of the park. Um, did a great job. That was, that was really fun to see. And as character introductions go, that was probably the most seamless integration into a group on the show. Just that he just kind of walked in, said, Hey, what's up? And entered the group. Nobody really had questions. It wasn't uncomfortable. He was just there. Yep. And he also took a, took a lead role right away, but be, being that it was his city that actually opened up a lot uh, on that front, you know, he, he knew the city. So that, that was, that was a good opportunity. Mm -hmm. I will admit it took me a few episodes to warm up to Lark. Um, but I think between this episode and the next one that we're going to talk about, which was Theriathon, which was kind of a shining moment for Larg and a, like a meme, a memeable moment for Larg. Um, I think by that time I was totally on board and he ended up becoming one of my favorite characters. Um, but anyway, a few things in between here and there. Um, again, not really summarizing, but uh, in the next few arcs, they left Trent in the closet, which if you listened the last time, we argued about whether he was still there or not, or if he was dead, and we tried looking up timelines and stuff, and uh, we had some opinions on that, but he's probably dead in the closet. Um, I disagree, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think this must be the Sheik's note on episode 26. Yeah. Yeah, so, so so that's the episode where they're trying to figure out what, what's going on with uh, the Fang showing up in Donhurst, and uh, <laughs> that was a uh, so, so ever since Arc One with uh, Group Four coming in and and uh, Karen not having the uh, greatest luck <laughs> with characters, I think I think it was like every six episodes she was uh, having to roll up a new a new character. I, I've always had kind of a soft spot in my heart for her <laughs> with the, the bad luck, and and when she, she turned into a fox and went off on her own. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, she's doomed. You know, she's going to die again. And there's the whole thing where the, uh, she, she has a couple of bad roles and the, so the, the fang bring in some dogs and she's, she's turned into a fox. The dogs chase her and she barely escapes into the sewers. There, there's just a lot of fun stuff. And I thought, I thought she did a really good job with that. Yeah. Now that you mentioned that, like, it's kind of interesting that Karen picks to a character with a backstory that's like, you're going to die on this day. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> just got it built in. Like I've only got so many episodes here. So it's uh, on that day and no other day. <laughs> yeah, may, may as well plan on it. <laughs> they can't kill her. She kills. She dies first, you know? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah. That, that one is also part of the longest day ever. Yeah where they had so many episodes, I think it was four episodes that were all on the one day. Yeah. And that, that was like episode three of that arc. And yeah. everyone was just like, I need a rest. We don't have any spells after the ritual. Everyone was just beat down. Yep. Actually, that was the last of those because we have the dates here. So, yep, that was the last one. It, apparently, the calendar clicked over to 12 at the end of that episode. So, yeah. Lots of those in a row. The next episode, they're kind of making their way through the divide. Such excitement. And uh, they meet Deki. Totally nice guy, Deki. Everything's fine with Deki. Nothing to worry about. 
and my favorite, uh, my favorite new uh, NPC in our I love Decky. <laughs> Decky came in so fully fleshed out as an NPC. I think Jason's been holding on to him for a while. <laughs> um, like he's so yeah, cheerfully psychopathic. But <laughs> 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 it's it's just you have to wonder: was he like that before he got into the divide, or did the divide do that to him? I oh, think. I think uh, he had been that way for a while. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I don't think he was in the divide quite long enough. And everyone was frazzled while they were in the divide. But I don't think that was his only problem. I think he just took advantage of the divide, pro- providing him that opportunity. So, but, uh, but yeah, he's, he's just so hard not to, not to fall for as a character. He was so cheerful about his homicide. You know, he just kept calling him short and he can't do that. Clearly. Okay. So yeah, this is this is the first of let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Is it only five episodes in the divide? I think it may only be five episodes in the divide. It It seemed like a lot more episodes in the divide, but that's still a lot to get across one patch of land. Yeah. So we're not gonna talk about the travel thing again. I think that's been brought up a lot, but um (laughs) Yeah, so from there, they they have a combat thing, and they, they find, which there's a lot of combats on this list, I'm noticing, too, with Group B. So um, then they find Rose, which is kind of interesting, and that takes us to Theriathon. And uh, this episode was picked by somebody who's not here, but I think it's still worth talking about. Um, so the Theriathon episode uh, number 34, the humane thing to do, um, this episode is kind of famous for Larg's werewolf suplex. And uh, the way that they got out of that werewolf combat, which, again, I don't remember. I think they were level three or four fighting a Therian werewolf. That's probably not going to go great, except for the moonbeam spell, which just ended the werewolf thing in, like, one round of combat. So I'm assuming... Yeah, <laughs> real real quick thing on Therian werewolves that I learned from the Patreon game. Um, there are different levels of Therian werewolves. Okay. So there are like level one versus level two versus I think all the way up to level six. So uh, she, she may or may not have been uh, quite on the same level. In fact, I'm pretty sure she wasn't as the uh, the werewolves in in Lockford. Plus, there's like. <laughs> Whatever weird is going on with her too, right? Because she had like spinal bony. protrusions or something. Right now, yeah, is that yeah. she's not a standard werewolf that we know of. So, th- so yeah. technically, it could have been much, much worse. It almost came across like a dire werewolf or something. Yeah. So I have to assume that you know, if you're the DM and you're going into that, you're like, oh, this is going to be a long werewolf combat and that's going to be theriathon and then no it was a one round combat and then a lot of chatting and arguing about like what are we going to do with this werewolf now that seems like this really nice woman but she's a werewolf and it kind of tears the group apart a little bit and that goes back and forth for a few episodes from here um thoughts on that 
Well, I found the argument over Tamara slash Rose, whatever, um, a lot easier to listen to than the argument over, say, Edward. <laughs> it was shorter. Because, yeah, because I know some people have compared the two before, but I mean, I found that they did a good job of like making their points in character without beating the issue to death. It was a more around. reasoned, it was a more well thought out argument on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Like they had reasons in character for why they were arguing for what they were arguing for. And they didn't just go in circles and they actually listened to each other when they were talking and like responded to what was actually being said. Well, I think there were some times for it. Like Jamie said, like, I love you guys, but this is what Tatiana would do. And <laughs> and to be honest, I fully expected when she's like, yeah, I'm going to make a separate camp. I was just waiting for her to sneak back into camp to, like, kill her or something. Because she did, I found Jamie did a really good job of conveying just how much Tatiana hates werewolves. Yeah. Yeah, there was an implication that she, Tamara may not have survived the night regardless of how the camps were split. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone everyone had an opinion on it. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of those opinions changed because at first it was pretty much just Callie and Elena. And then as things went along, it was like really like Larg came over to Rose slash Tamara's side and really just kind of left with Tatiana. That's like, please get rid of the werewolf. Um, yeah, and Braylon just went over there to kind of keep her company. It wasn't that he really agreed with her wholeheartedly. It was just she shouldn't be over there by herself. Oh, uh, he was he was definitely he, he was definitely on the you can't let the werewolf go side of the argument. At least not, at, not as not as adamant, I guess. Oh yeah, no, no, not yeah, I agree. Definitely not. Yep. I think we're bleeding into Ames's episode, which is number thirty eight as we go along here. So if you want to go ahead and talk about that. Before we get there. Well, this is just me. Oh, sorry. Okay. I just want to touch on, you know, we're talking one day after they met Decky. I was really surprised to see them be so understanding with, with Tamara Rose in the first place. You know, if, especially Hmm. after Braylon made the big deal of saying, Hey, you don't trust anyone in the divide. And then. Oh, well, let's trust this one, and we're going to trust this one. And even though we know she's a werewolf, we're going to let her camp with us, and we won't even tie the ropes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's also one of my favorite types of episodes. I really like the when there's some moral ambiguity and, and some uh, dissension amongst the ranks. I think it makes for a lot of fun discussions. And uh, but one of the things I thought was really interesting in this episode, uh, and, and, and the next one, I think, was the the whole transition of uh, going from you know uh, almost a holier than thou attitude by a, a bunch of the members of Group Four, I mean of, of Group uh, B, to um, saying you know we we just simply can't let you you know go into the city and we can't do this and uh, but then when it became more of an issue of uh, uh oh somebody shows up who's a, a vampire who might be a bit a bit of trouble to deal with and and, and there, there was a transition in in attitudes along the way as well but um uh, you know at, at one point Lard says something along the lines of uh we're going to uh you're gonna have to kill me to to uh, let her out um 
that there was a real switch in, in how, how, how the attitudes were showing up uh, when, when it looked like uh, it might not be such an easy, easy thing to do to, to, to do away with her. Ames. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the episode I picked was right after the fight with the pack of direwolves. Yep. Um, and so they go to camp down and Grayson shows up who, as Dashik's pointed out, is a vampire. Um, and I just thought it was really, cause like, this is where the conversation, I thought it was really interesting cause it's where the conversation came to like a head, you know, like here is where they really have to like decide, okay, are we going to let her go or not? Like, are we going to let them go or not? And it seemed really close to becoming a fight. I think, like, there's this one moment where, and I find Jemison does the, is really good at, like, painting pictures with the way he describes Larg's actions. There's this one moment, and I could see it, where he, he Larg steps through their campfire to walk up to Grayson. And I think that's when he delivers a line of, you're going to have to go through me to leave. And I don't know, like, it kind of ties into my discussion topic later, so we can get into it more later, but it really brings up the thought of, okay, well, at the end of the day, who are they really to be deciding on other people's actions, you know? Yeah, and I I remember that moment you're talking about, which I, I had forgotten about, but yeah, when Lark or Jameson says, he walks just through the fire, you know, it it's like, Okay, someone's serious. Yeah, that's it. It does a really good job of like painting, like, okay, he's going to put his money where his mouth is, kind of thing. There's also the called in hold person spell in this episode, which I think later got removed because I don't think hold person is on the theory and spell list. But um, I thought. Well, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I, I think he uses it again with the assassin. Maybe I'm wrong then, because I I thought it was cool. Like, he always does such a good job with the spell effects and stuff and describing them. It totally made sense to be a spell that he would have, because it's like, well, it's like this thing that I do when I kill these poor little animals, except <laughs> I'm just going to do it a little less and just, you know, kind of freeze him a little bit. Although he was describing, like, freezing the blood and things like that, like, just to make it where he couldn't move, which is interesting when you realize he's a vampire later on. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know how that would have affected a vampire maybe differently than uh, somebody else, but I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool when it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think the spell was removed. I think it was, uh, there was an adjustment put on it of exactly what it was doing to the victim. Okay. Maybe like a time limit or something too. I yeah, know they shorten was... a lot of time things. Okay. Um, anything else on that one? That that episode got discussed a bit in the uh, extended rest. And there were some interesting arguments about uh, uh, if, if the group was that uh, adamant about not letting a werewolf go, what do you do about uh, Merrick, given that he's a werewolf running around all over the place? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 I never heard any 
terribly satisfying uh, <laughs> uh, solutions to that or, or suggestions about that. But I think it, it's uh, an interesting point. Yeah, I it's, mean, uh, go sorry, ahead, go yep. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I feel like it does a good job of showing, like, developing the characters as real people because, like, real people are hypocritical and conflicted and, you know, they'll say one thing and then it all came down to the fact that they didn't want to fight, right? So they had just gone through a lot in the divide and I think at the end of the day it came down to, okay, well, we don't really want to fight and kill these people so i guess we'll just come to a compromise where everybody's unhappy with the results but yeah which, which is the best compromise but for <laughs> the people who were so adamant about we can't let a werewolf go they kind of just let a werewolf and a vampire go yep so i think as we look back there's this divide thing and the travel stuff and i i'm looking at it here it's five episodes so that's like five months of time and maybe it was longer because episodes get recorded at different times and stuff so maybe it's like six months there in the divide and i know there's a lot of stuff we all enjoyed in that and that's like the uh the listener thing is like oh so much cool stuff came out of the divide i think maybe for me i'd be a little more satisfied if we got like an ending to this tamara um grace and stuff like they're out there now, but we don't know what happened. And that loose end kind of bothers me. Like, I wish I knew where they went or what they did or how big a problem it is. And I don't know how that's ever going to come back up on the show. Like, it will eventually, but I don't know. It'd be a little more satisfying if I just knew where that was headed. Yeah, and we don't... just going to... Sorry, your turn, Steve. You could... <laughs> I was going to say, we don't know if they ever made it back to Aubrey to get their things, where they went from there. I mean, there is a whole giant continent and others that they can go to. So yeah, it, unless someone runs into them on the road in arc three, it may just be a loose end, you know, like a bunch of others that we just don't get an answer to until someone finds them. Right. So group a went to Aubrey after this and didn't hear anything about it. I mean, they had other things going on, right? But so there was an opportunity to be like, oh, here's this other vampire. And like, I don't know how it would have ever come up naturally, but they were at least in the area where they might have been. So I, I mean, know. there was bigger things going on, I think, in Aubrey because Father White was sick when they got there. And then when they went back the second time, you know, so it just might never have come up. That's uh, did, didn't they come up as far as when they were talking to some of the townspeople? Because um, if I remember right, Largett actually made a comment about that, uh, that I guess they had heard about uh, them coming through one of the towns that was not Aubrey. And I don't know if it was on their way to Aubrey, but I think that was part of why he decided to go ahead and send out that other letter. I th seem to remember something was vaguely mentioned, but I don't remember what it was. Is it totally my imagination that Grayson was Father White's son? Yes. Okay. I was, was thinking that. Yes, it was Grayson yeah. White. Okay. Yeah, because I was going to bring that up too in that, you know, did he know his father was sick? Did he make him sick? 
Did he make him sick? Or I, I thought maybe that was part of why he was what he wanted to tie up loose ends in the in Aubrey before they, you know, went off to live in the woods or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was a topic no one came up or no one chose, and I don't know if Dave, if you have a thing to discuss this later, was the theories of what happened to Father White. We can just do it in the episode. So <laughs> I I hadn't thought about well, it. Or was that more that? of a group A thing? We already did that. Yeah, that's true. I um, missed my chance. <laughs> I messed it up. But that's a reason, like, you would think they were dealing with the Father White stuff. Like, if Grayson had been around in Aubrey, it would have made sense that, you know, if his dad's dying or something, that maybe there would have been an encounter there. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But I also, like, to be fair, Group A always went to visit Father White when it was daytime. He would have trouble, I think, walking through a fully lit temple of a monitor in the middle of the day. Yeah, I would imagine he probably wouldn't hang out in the temple that often anyway. So, no. Okay. Um, we don't. Yeah. So a few little things happen between here and our next episode. Um, episode forty-one. The score is the heist kind of gone wrong, and also called and killed the cat, which I think at this point is his second or third. I think he killed a mouse or something early on. And a mouse and a frog before the cat. Yeah. Was the, and this is, was the was the deer after the cat or was that before or the he, he, he got the progressively bigger. Yeah. Oh, but he was <laughs> he just finished off the deer when they when they were hunting. I think that might have been before this, but I'm not positive. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I just the cat is kind of memorable because I think it's Lark goes out like trying to what exactly yep. was Lark doing? Yeah, they made it they made it into one of his town things was he was trying to help someone find their cat, which was mittens. <laughs> so I thought Yeah, go ahead, Mark. I'm just saying it was it was his community service where he set up his Charlie Brown stand. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I I thought this was interesting because I believe this was Jason's first time trying out these like in-town activities. And it was a good way to speed the calendar along a little bit for a group that it had, as Steve said, the longest day ever. It was like four episodes long. And then they were in the divide for like a bunch more episodes that only took like two more days. So really we're like 17 episodes into the arc and they've only moved like 16 days something like that. So this was a way to speed a week by. Um, I don't know. Did anybody have any thoughts on like, was it a, was it fun to listen to? Like this heist was kind of a big thing, but I don't know how to me, like how engaging some dice rolls were for for doing this heist thing. Um, I don't know. Thoughts on that or. For me, it wasn't all that gripping, but it was something different. Um, and anytime they can introduce a new mechanic that maybe this time it wasn't, you know, over the top, crazy in town adventure next time it may be. And I, I think Jason has mentioned like fleshing those rules out a little more for future times. So I think it's good to have downtime activities and stuff. I, and I, I also don't know if I would have wanted like two episodes of like heist planning either because we've already had enough side quests at this point. So I don't know what a good balance on that is. Yeah. And, um, and you did get um, Braylon 
trying to sing at, um, <laughs> at the inn and failing so miserably that it became a callback and a problem in a future episode. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the other things in these next episodes coming up is we get Sydney, uh, Braylon's crazy fan, who also, I think, puts on a performance better than Annie that Braylon did in the whole arc. So, cause, With cause a recorder. He, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then they kind of tell Sydney to go away and go play somewhere else. And also, Lark dies. Uh, that happened in episode 47. So Lark was really only here from episode 20 to episode 47. He's dead. He's gone. He's off the show. It's over. Um, yeah, two right? weeks in game. I, 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 was, I was like, how long was that? Yeah, it was. He was with the party for two weeks. Yeah, and these were those crazy, like, black hand assassins, which really, since we hit the divide, we kind of forgot about the black hand. Um, which is why, to me, I was like, oh, yeah, the black hand. That's where this started back in episode one. Well, here we are, episode uh, 47, and the Black Hand's back in a big way because horrible drow assassins, um, really nasty with, like, a lot of damage dice, I seem to remember, and, uh, yeah, things didn't go very well there, and that takes this. yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say that fight went from, like, it started off real bad then it was going real good and then it went right back to real bad again for the for the group you know yeah well the the hit was very hard (laughs) they didn't hit often but when they did because tatiana got hit and it's because the drow assassin had like they had to roll constitution saves yep and if they failed the constitution save which i think tatiana might have been the only one to do so um that was just tons of damage. Wasn't there some crazy poison damage? Is that That's what it? It's, if they failed the constitution save, they took crazy amounts of poison damage, which I think dropped Tatiana in one hit. So, yeah. This it is also just- the episode where I think a lot of us realized that the Therian death rules didn't change from 4E, and uh, it was still just half of your health passed. Um, instead mm-hmm. of like all the way like the 5e rules are so i think it mattered on larg's death whereas like later in the arc it didn't end up mattering but well and it mattered because tatiana there's actually a point in the episode I, and where tatiana i think was like a point or two away like they had to sit yep. down and do the math because jason's like i think you might be dead <laughs> yeah i remember that um <laughs> Okay, that takes us to episode 49. Actually, these next two episodes, 49 is The Sheiks, and 53, uh, Steve's going to talk about. So episode 49 is Lost in Thought, and I'll let The Sheiks talk about that. Sure, so this is the episode where um, it's right right after Larg's death, and they make the the decision to go back to um, Dern Hollow to try to... uh, figure out if they can uh, get him brought back or whatever. And uh, so, so somewhere out of the, who knows where, the ether, um, uh, Calden got the idea that that uh, using, I can't remember the name of the drug, but using to essentially... Palm. To, to palm? Yes. 
Yeah, it's a, so so essentially some sort of a uh, hallucinogenic Vertharian uh, version of of uh, magic mushrooms or whatever <laughs> that they're they're going to go into this uh, uh, trip and and make contact with a god and that was a very strange, for at least from my perspective, a very strange idea. Um, uh, I'm not I'm not sure where Ian came up with it and. Um, th there seemed to be some confusion about whether if, if Braylon went along or not, that uh, uh, they would be traveling together. And, and, and uh, um, but ultimately, one of the things that made it stand this, this episode stand out for me was <laughs> that um, here they are out on the road in a dangerous area. They've just been attacked by drow, uh, three drow, and, and two of the members uh, essentially go into a Catatonic, uh, catatonic state for the most of the ride back. So they they have one one dead uh, member of the group and two who are out of it. And now they're traveling the roads of Theria. Uh, that seemed amazingly dangerous from my perspective. It's like you're know, you're essentially inviting someone to attack and and uh, do a t TPK because you don't have the uh, enough party members to to defend themselves. I, I thought it was a very strange strange episode from that perspective. Look at yeah, I, me. Sorry. I, I I agree. I don't know where the initial idea came from, or the idea that they could take a hallucinogen and get in contact with a god, or that they would be tripping together. There was a lot of assumptions. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, what gets me, like, I think we're all on the same page where I didn't at all get the impression that this was an idea that would be useful when Jason was describing the drug. But what gives me is that Colin or Ian, his first thought was like, oh, let's take this to the Silver Glade and do it there. <laughs> and I think Elena spoke for all of us at, in the end when she's <laughs> like, and just Val, I love Val's inflection on like, she does such a good job of being the voice of reason sometimes. But it's just like, so you're telling me that you want to take a drug just, uh, I have the exact quote sitting here somewhere, but it was just, it was perfect for the moment, you know? <laughs> and spot on, if Val or Elena it is the voice of reason for the group when kind of against Calden sometimes where he's like, I have a plan. And she's like, are you insane? Because <laughs> I mean, she had even been voicing that opinion when they first talked about it. Um, however many episodes earlier it was when, when it was first brought up. Because if I remember right, it was mentioned a few episodes earlier when, when they actually went out and found it. And then it wasn't until episode 49 that they decided, okay, well, now this is the time to do it. And, and we're just going to go ahead and... Uh, I don't know how you think you're not going to have a bad trip if you lay down in a carriage next to a body, but good on <laughs> Yeah, no, that was, it just seemed completely nuts to me. I, I did really like uh, uh, Valerie with uh, with Elena uh, being the, the just say no member of the, uh, of the party and saying, I don't want to have anything to do with this. I'll drive up in the front and you guys uh, do whatever crazy nonsense you want in the back. It was, it was good. Yeah. And I think what's also interesting from this episode, because I just pulled up some notes that I have, and Elena was actually one of the big proponents of using the bell on law in this episode like at one point her and Braylon are arguing about it and she's like well we managed to banish the demon and everything that can dawn her so I don't see why it would be a problem to use it now to bring back Lark whereas like later on she has to be one of the ones that's convinced yeah yep. 
I, so. I think in the very short span of arc two for Elena, she went from being pretty naive in, in the beginning to at the end, she's the one saying, okay, let's do this. She's the one who's going full forward and then to the point, jumping ahead a little bit, of almost quitting because this is all too real. You know, she she had a pretty dramatic character arc that was almost a loop in the middle of the uh, arc. Mm-hmm. So I, the reason, I, I had totally forgotten how quick uh, Calden was ready to, to ring that bell for Lark. I think he was ready to ring that bell from the first time they found the bell. You know, he, he was like, okay, we can do this ritual. Um, and then as soon as he got the Vecna arm at the end of the ritual, I think that kind of, it was a drug for him. You know, it, it's that much power. Well, I don't, so, so I just listened to this episode a day or so ago, or maybe even today. I don't know what you, where I was at in the list, but, uh, I thought, uh, Calden was actually hesitant to use the bell and he was the one who was sort of saying, let's go back to Donhurst and see if we can find a different, a different way to get him, you know, brought back. Really? Well, I uh, think I'm pretty sure. I think at the beginning of the episode, it seemed like the bell ringing was what was going to happen. Like they're like, "Oh, we're going to ring the bell, ring the bell." Um, then Calden's like, "Oh, let's rest overnight first. And then I don't remember if there was some behind the scenes or something. But when they got up from that rest, it was like, oh, "Yep, the bell's a bad idea." I think Callie talked him out of it a little bit, and Calden, I think, was looking for like more information before he started ringing the bell because I think part of what they were going eventually to Esterholt for was to maybe talk to somebody that might know how the heck the bell was supposed to work, um, like what they could do with it and stuff. Because that and, was the last location that anyone knew that it had appeared in. So. Yeah, I don't know. There's a couple other things I had from this episode, which was like, um, if my DM had the reaction that Jason had when Ian was like talking about using the drug, and Jason was like, "And what do you think this is gonna do?" <laughs> um, like, I don't know if I would keep going with it, but. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think uh, Ian or Calden. I'm not sure if it was in. I think it was Ian because it's out of character. Um, he talked about group B being the group that makes questionable but fun decisions. And I think that's totally true. Uh, but maybe it's all Ian's fault. So, yeah, I think it's Ian, Ian that makes questionable but fun decisions. <laughs> he, he is a fan of, let's move this ball forward no matter what it takes. 30 minutes, episode 53. This, I, I thought this was a fun episode, but I know it was a little divisive. And it was around the time of the emails where people said, nothing happens on the show. Um, and I thought for what they were doing, and in this episode, it really was a mad cart chase brought on by Braylon's thunder wave upon waking up with his amnesia that started this whole um, crazy episode of the cart's running out of control. Everything's happening around it. And everything has gone to hell for really no reason. But uh, some people like this, some people didn't. Um, I thought it was a fun episode. 
in this episode, we have kind of the debate, and not really debate, of little Jeremy um, gets run over by the cart. And, you know, Vernon? Little, little Vernon. Vernon. I'm sorry. His, his actual name is Jeremy. He goes by Little Vernon. Okay. Which I totally forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that goes way back to Arc 1. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's. Uh, I thought it was a fun episode that ended up at the very end with essentially Ellen sacrificing herself to bring Larg back. Um, and I know Rob had some thoughts about that in the last episode we did, but I thought it was well played out and, you know, actions in this world always have consequences. Even something like Thunderwave had a lot of consequences. I thought this was a hilarious episode and just really crazy and a really good summary of like the whole arc of Group B is uh, just listen to this. This is what Group B is about right here. So rest in peace, Rusty and Dusty. <laughs> yeah, poor guys. Oh, That's man. probably better than what Calvin was going to do with them in the next episode or two. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like we don't really need to, right, guys? Guys. Like what happened to Dusty? I don't know. He wandered off in the night. I think I no. commented. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you go. Sorry. Oh, I, I was just gonna say. I, I think I commented in the. Uh, uh, Discord at the time, uh, sort of, sort of joking because people had been saying nothing was happening in the episodes, or, or you know, episodes where time didn't progress very much, or whatever. And I remember commenting just jokingly that you know, oh yeah, this is thirty minutes where people are really going to complain about this one. But um, I, I thought it was a great episode. <laughs> I thought that so much was going on, and, and uh, one of the things that I liked was that everybody, yeah, you know, every single uh, player had key moments in the episode and were involved in different different things you know uh and part of that's because it was you know the group split up so there was some fun things but um you know uh uh alex with braylon uh setting off the uh uh the thunder wave that starts the whole thing off um and and just the you know even Larg laying in the in the in the road and and whatever it was, the funny thing about him uh, looking like he's in some sort of a sexual position or something. Yeah, like he landed. <laughs> yeah, he landed. Uh, face yeah. down, ass up. Is that what you're looking for? <laughs> something like that. Yeah. But uh, uh, I, I I really liked the episode and uh, one one funny thing for or not I guess not really funny thing from it. One thing that I thought was odd from it was that. Uh, uh, Alex actually said something about it was his fault or was Braylon's fault for setting off the, uh, 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 you know, the, the thunder wave, wave spell that, that started the whole thing off. And I was, I thought the whole way this was like a hundred percent Calden's fault for doing the crazy magic mushrooms in the first place and, and uh, causing uh, poor Braylon to, uh, you know, Get get amnesia and and you know that was the that was the trigger for the whole thing. So well, if, gonna, if you want to point fingers on an episode by episode basis, Calden's um, <laughs> the last episode was all his fault. Um, this one was all Braylon, but I that mean, thunder wave was so in yeah, character as a reaction. Hold on, I say it, is fault the right word because I feel like, especially when no, you're playing D anD D and you and one of the 
difficult dichotomies to understand when you're playing a fantasy game in a fantasy world where most of the rules and things and everything you're going through makes no logical sense. How do you act logically when the illogical happens to you? So yes, you can understand, like you can as a character understand a dragon attacking you, but when all of a sudden you have like, it's not that you think you've lost memory. You just think you are the person you were four years ago or whatever time it was. How do you react to that? And wouldn't, wouldn't the obvious thing be, I'm going to try to disrupt all of this and get away. That, yeah, that's well, it. of course. It, and fault is the wrong word, but um, no, it, it was totally in character um, from Braylon is very reactionary to he was tied up and had a ball gag. And <laughs> okay, can, are we going to go like, over that fact that the fact that they were all just like, yeah, sure. Let's have say, a ball gag in our sack. If yeah, I woke up, he had cast um, Thunder Wave while he was hallucinating. Thunder clap before, yeah. Yeah. Thunder, yeah. So um, Tatiana was trying to keep him from blasting the cart again. I'm not saying Tatiana was wrong. But like, no, if I, I woke up in the back of a cart with people I didn't know tied up with a ball gang in my mouth, I would also freak out, you know? <laughs> no, it was, it, like I said, it, it was totally in I, character and proper. <laughs> when I woke up in the back of a wagon with a ball gag in my mouth, I totally freaked out. I didn't know magic, so I couldn't like get away, but I thought that little thing with like her having a ball gag was a great little piece into uh Tatiana's character too. She's like, oh yeah, I've got one of those. Of the it random felt totally, I don't it felt a little JK Rowling to me. I'm not gonna lie. You build the kink up after the story's been told. I don't know. I feel like things I know about Tatiana, she likes to keep her arrows, she hates werewolves, and she keeps ball gags on her. Like And hides things from the party. That's, and hides that's lots of things from the party, yeah. Um, I I realized we didn't talk about the visions from the last episode. Do you think there's anything to those? Like nope. Definitely. Definitely. Listening back, definitely, like, definitely not. <laughs> there's no? Raylan's brother in there, which Steve, I think, threw out as a possible thing with the fang. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. And then we have like the creepy hands, which you have to assume are Darmok hands with the black hands. So I, I say I don't think they had any meaning or basis, but there was definite foreshadowing of things that are coming. I just don't think it was factual to, and these specific drug trips that you're on mean something. I I think it was just kind of bringing the arc together um, with these specific visions and a little bit of callback, a little bit of, and Darmok's still out there and the black hand is still out there. And I, I don't think it was specifically, they meant something, but it, it was good storytelling as far as bringing things in. And also, I, like, totally improv storytelling, right? Because he could have no idea that they're going to do this crazy drug trip no. thing right now. Mm. So. Mm. No, I, think, I don't think the drug thing came out of nowhere. Yeah, well, I actually think Jason said something in the episode yeah. about having spent the day writing stuff. Because mm-hmm. I think, didn't they mention it the episode before? They did, but I 
Yeah. I, okay. So um, definitely Jason had something planned. And I guarantee I, it's kind of the same way with like the cover of the book. Oh, it's not canon. I guarantee you there are things in the cover of the book that are going to show up later. They're going to be like, ah, I get it. Now. I mean, the fact that Jason won't talk about the Minotaur head, I think mm-hmm. definitely points. Oh, he, did. He, did he, he just said, yeah, there, there are things there. The Kettenhund is there, too. It's just mm-hmm. things from the show that are in the picture. He said, sure, none of, drink, that's the why, drink the Kool-Aid. Drink the Kool-Aid. Whatever you want. <laughs> drink it. Swallow I it all down. To. Come on. It's my job. I think it sets a dangerous precedent if Jason says, hey, you know what? If you do Tapong, you get to see the future. Mm-hmm. They had a role for it, though. Going to do. Well, yeah, it they were for how well it was going to go and everything. Also, it, it wasn't clear, like, it wasn't rolling for the future. It was never clearly, like, rolling for the future. They were trying to see something beyond. I don't, I don't think it's a 100% translation, but I guarantee you, Jason is not. Even if he had nothing planned beforehand, something that he talked about or was mentioned will grow back somewhere else. I Whether mean, he were... had to create it after the fact or oh, yeah, nothing is nothing is just offhand. Yeah. They He's not, not careless. Yeah, they didn't get what they wanted out of it at all, right? They wanted to mm-hmm. basically contact Vecna. Yeah, and, right. Alden was going that on about how this was going to be their sacrifice to get Vecna's attention and blah blah. And I'm yeah. like, to be honest, that that reasoning never worked for me. But and in the group had like no concrete anything on the hand. None. No experience with her, no experience with what could possibly be powering her, going on around her. Literally, they went to this length because they had no concrete evidence on her at all, except that she wanted this weapon on a ship. Okay, Um, anything else on these couple episodes? And then we have quite a few we're skipping over. So there's some moments in there on our way to the finale. Um, Anybody? Okay, so yeah, we're going to quickly go over 54, 56, 60, 62, 65, and 67. Uh, Some fun things that happen in there. We get uh, the Larganator episode where he comes back from the dead and then just like tears through that other... house or whatever it's supposed to be called and uh tatiana has to deal with her heist from before and dives out of a window uh we get a little collector's thing that happens on a way to the cave we go in the cave we find a diracha thing that's really horrible uh they escape from the cave they have the first earthquake on the show which was some pretty cool mechanics braylon gets his memories back can i just run in real quick for the earthquake yeah Oh, I was like, so I know it all came down to a dice roll, but the fact that Calden made it out of that earthquake unscathed, mm, my heart then. I was just like, like I said, it, I think Jason was fair about it. The fly? The fly spell Yeah, thing? Yeah. Can we I put was him just in, like, like, this is the, sorry, this is like the first moment 
I think, where we were really going to get to see that, you know, and maybe it would have really driven home to Calden that you lost an arm and it's kind of a big deal. And it just wasn't. But it was also the coolest spell description that's happened in either arc. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I so want a, well, I'd, um, there was a picture, Cole did a picture of it. And it was really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, 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 Ian is good like that. Um, yes. It, it, I think part of it was he had the spell, and instantly there's an occasion to use it um, where it could have come around if the rules were slightly different. Of he just bounces to the bottom of this pit and they have to rescue him or he dies or whatever. Yeah. And it's not like I just wanted him to fall down and die. Like, I think it was. Like, quick thinking. Yeah, and he pulled out this miracle of a description. It's the rule of I, cool, right? I, I think that yeah. wins out over, you know, he pulled off yeah. this thing that is a miracle for his own character, and it's a super badass moment for him. I think it was I, just one of the few moments where something, like, where I was just, like, something inside of me was just like, Ooh! but, you know, it's not, it's here, not the end of the world. Like, here's my It was my really cool. My lack of agitation is because I think of magic still slightly more Harry Potter-wise, as in, Mm -hmm. in the moment of need, it comes out without thinking about it. It's more instinct. And the way he described it, like, made it feel more like that. It's just like... Yeah. It wasn't a a really planned event, yeah. Yeah, it was just like, my body that knows how to do this is reacting. It's kind of beyond me. Mm-hmm. Which goes against D and D practices and principles, but when you're telling a story, like I, I get why you're like, but I'm also like, I don't want him just to die from an earthquake, and it's almost cooler to be like, oh shit, he's got ice wings. Oh, awesome. for sure. Like I won't argue that point. In <laughs> the worst material to make wings out of, right? So heavy, so un- lead's pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, um, I'm not saying it's the worst. Speaking of <laughs> artwork, I just happened to remember that uh, Cole, who you mentioned, also did uh, Braylon in the ball gag. I think so. If you're on the Discord and <laughs> you haven't seen that, in case y'all forgot your too. kinks, I must have missed that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's my uh, screensaver, so I did not. <laughs> Back to what um, next, James was saying, that one of the things that kind of hung with me while we're talking about kind of that that frustration with with Calden is that for me, I never felt throughout this whole arc that that the arm really made much of a difference. I always thought that it would have some kind of an impact, especially as a spellcaster, you know, on on at a minimum any of anything that had a semantic component. Uh, the same way that a fighter would say, "Oh crap, I can't hold a shield." And it just so it do, seems- is that the way you envision magic then? Like you envision envision them doing the physical components of it? Yeah, I kind of I take it back from the old two e of hey, you got a, a verbal, a material, and semantic component. In okay. It. So yeah, but there there's no there's no hard fast rule of it takes both hands. Right, but it's the question of would he have? I guess it was just a question of. If there's no penalty at all to losing the arm, then, you know, I, I just, 
I guess I find it hard to believe that every spell that he casts, he only ever had to cast with one hand. The, the power was inside you all along. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a reference to something? As opposed to a wizard. And there's a difference, especially in 5e, of how they tap, how they learn, and, and how they cast. But it, it was just something that it, it stuck with me. So when it got to that part, and it's like, oh, we're going to have a, a, a major issue with him having one arm trying to survive this. It's like, nope, no, we don't. I, It's tough because I do feel it kind of comes down to how do you envision magic? Um, there are obviously D&D rules to it, but like for me personally, I don't know. I barely know 5e. I definitely don't know any other edition. Um, so carrying that over, like, I don't have any of that weight. And it, it, the simple line to make is fighters are physical. Obviously, you need your physical limbs. Magic and all that other stuff is mostly internal. I, I would almost put it this way, too, is that... Uh, uh... A wizard and Keldon's a sorcerer, and depending on which way you want to go with it, they use a wand as an implement, or maybe a staff, which, in a lot of cases, is a one-handed thing. You know, it it isn't necessarily big, flourishy, both arms waving. It doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, I think I'm the one that brought that up on the last episode, so I definitely think there could have been something with that. I I also imagine if like he got into a a case or any spellcaster did for like both their hands were bound or something that that would mm-hmm. probably be an issue mm-hmm. or some spells but anyway um okay so yeah, that's a, that it is really a open to dm interpretation and yep. for sure that's an issue for Jason <laughs> uh, after that we got the uh basically what would be the cover of a 70s or 80s metal album episode, right? Where you fight the Cyclops on top of the mountain. And I read through Steve's, uh, what it's a summary for this episode. And it it seemed like I didn't remember it this way, but I guess the fight was really easy because the summary kind of alludes to that. So It it was like two rounds. It really wasn't a thing. I mean, we got another great Larg moment in this one, though. Like, when he gets knocked down, and this is another moment where I could just see it in my head, he gets knocked down, stands back up, just spits out a tooth, and is like, when are you gonna hit me? And I felt that line. I was like, oh my god, that was so badass. (laughs) Because he just charged at this thing, right? Is that Mm -hmm. what happened? And then Elena went crazy. Yeah, him and Elena basically planted themselves in front of the Cyclops and just Larg took a beating and they just managed to kick it off the mountain. They, they chopped it down and, it, and Elena knocked it off the cliff. Mm-hmm. I, I think mechanically it's one of those things where it's like six on one and the all the advantage rules and everything work in your direction again. So, And I, I seem to recall the Cyclops I think wasn't rolling great. No, no, not at all. He missed a bunch. Yeah, so he he was trying, but it it was all in the party's favor, and it it was the description of it, like you said, you know, it 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 was the metal album cover. It was the lightning, and everyone just lining up on this thing in a it bring it, you know, and no one cared. It was just this thing's going down. We don't have time for this. And no, 
Jason naturally lowers HPs on enemies and raises their damage. damage, which is great because if you're doing an entertaining podcast, you don't want two hours of fighting mechanics back to back. But if the monster goes cold, you don't really know what it's possibly like capable of. So you lose a little bit of the weight. But that's right, how but you have to do it. But then you can run into another one. Right. Absolutely. Trolls are, are a recurring theme. Some yeah, prior no, trolls yeah. may roll for crap. And then no. you get overconfident. And then that would yeah. beat your ass. <laughs> yeah. Or like a gnome knocks you out. Like, good. No, I'm not. Yeah. He's doing the right thing. It's just the Cyclops went real cold. I think there was mention of a mechanic where he would like chuck rocks down the hill at them if they tried to run away or something. So that that might have been kind of cool too. But anyway, it was a neat episode, a really cool image that could end up in a book or something someday. Be kind of fun. But a book would say. What book would that be, Dave? I don't know. (laughs) Just saying. It'd be a fun picture. I have no idea if it ended up in there or not, but um the next episode was Theriathon, and nobody picked to talk about this one. We all know what happened. Can and I can I pick a moment from that? Because you totally that's can. Totally what I had a moment for. Yep. All right, hold on. Let me look at my notes. Um, so it's not like a complex moment, and it's not like a giant soliloquy on, but. I'm going to say through two arcs and however many almost infinite hours of show, Elena's response, Valerie's response as Elena, when, you know, Larg's dead, Braylon's dead, the pitch of her voice um, after everything and they're talking about it, the the pitch of her voice when she says she can't do this anymore was as good of voice acting and dramatic moment as any I've heard on any of the episodes. Mm-hmm. And it's a small moment, but that punctual, just like the weight of the way her voice acting was, was as satisfying as anything else that I've heard from this entire podcast that I love dearly. And like that one moment was like worth like all the marbles. Like it, that felt like the exact live, just the exact weightiness and like the way her voice, like voice just broke and all of everything. Like that was just perfect. And it doesn't have to be broken down to anything else. It was just like this, perfect moment of voice acting for something that mattered a whole lot to a whole bunch of people and like in character she just encapsulated that perfectly yeah for sure mm-hmm. yeah and, and there there are those moments throughout and i i haven't done a, a final calculation for all the arcs but it's over 900 hours um <laughs> there's there's a lot of hours of the show it's a lot of hours but there are probably less than 10 yeah. moments like you're talking about where it's just yeah. like someone's voice cracks for just yes. the right thing. And Val is really good at it. She probably has a couple of those, whether it was something with Sora in Lockford or this moment in particular where it's just 
it's it's a, a guttural reaction to I I don't know what else to do, and that's going to be a theme I'm sure in arc three for her character. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Jameson who maybe mentioned it on the um, wrap up for their group. Um, that I forgot. I lost my train of thought totally there. Um, where he mentioned that in one episode, Elena is just like, I can't do this anymore. And in the next episode where they're doing the ritual, she's like, we're going to do this. And she went full crazy person. <laughs> so it's she's, She had this whole swing within the course of a 12 hour span of her character's life. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the quality of the people on the show. You know, the, the players yeah. are fully behind their characters in whatever they're doing. I feel like you miss that in uh, like novels, TV shows, movies. The one thing writers miss more than anything is how inconsistent human beings are and how much we exist on like fracture lines. There are days or hours piled up together where if you were to write our synopsis, our biography, who we were does not match up at all with who we were in these 12 hour stretches. And she just killed that stretch. Cause it was both against who she was every other episode, but also perfectly in line with what she would be if this all happened and then continued it out to other static, crazy places. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially and, if you take, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, if you take into consideration the fact that, if I'm not mistaken, Elena was just somebody who decided one day that she just wanted an adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was a really great moment of someone re- realizing, oh, adventures aren't just all fun and games. You know? It's not, and it's it's not like- just go places and see things. There's a mm-hmm. lot of crap that goes along with it. And I th- Yeah, and I think, you know, the first time Lark died... Like we said, they had only known him two weeks, and there was so much other stuff going on around that. But we saw a little bit of that in the fact that she was just so willing to use the bell that first time, I think. And then, you know, but this time, you know, Larg and Braylon die, they kill the dragon, and there's just this moment of, like, where they can just, like, stop and really think about like absorb what had just happened it's it's that movie moment where everything has just gone to hell and the characters have to reflect and regain their strength Mm -hmm. but in real life you don't always regain the strength and that was kind of like the beautiful moment of it because it was like nah this is crazy this is awful i'm done i i think in the 273 episodes. I, I think it was the first time a character considered saying I can't do this anymore. There's not been many. I, I mean, People have left. Are we going to count Duncan's dad? Because he quit. Eh, I mean, no, it's not. I, think, <laughs> I mean, I think we saw Rob get really close yeah. to that with in, I mean, in this talked- arc. Yeah, we yeah. we talked about it a little bit in our group A episode, but we saw I think we saw Rob get really close to that moment moment with Ubo, where he wasn't sure if Ubo would continue on. We he saw didn't know if Ubo group was gonna, do that. He didn't know that Ubo was going to continue breathing. 
Mm-hmm. Some whole group do that. We're not talking about Patreon group. <laughs> what? No. That's crazy. I was also going to say, I think we all Rob, to win it. Rob got there with Malchus too, and that was when he took the break from the show because he didn't True. know what Malchus was going to do. So. Mm-hmm. Does, does it count if you have the perfect exit strategy? But but I meant it more as a um, as a character who's just become almost mentally broken and just saying I just can't do this. Not not as a I don't want to do this or I need to escape from a thing I just did. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. Elena broke at that point. It was beautiful. Like yeah. above everything else, whether whatever happened after or before, that one like if that were a re- if that was a movie she would have got like the Oscar nomination for that one scene. Like it was incredibly beautiful voice acting and just like feeling the moment perfectly and executing it. So like almost without anything else around it, just like the way her voice broke, like gave me goosebumps. And I was like, Oh my God, that was incredible. Okay. Yeah, that was that was neat. Um, there's definitely a lot of other stuff in that episode, right? And I think, I don't know if we talked what about What else before, happened? Yeah, there's the cool uh, Calden thing. Like, yeah, Calden has Who's Calden? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I feel like I've been hard on Calden this, this episode. I'm sorry. But that was a really great moment. Like, you know, as I, we talked a little bit about it last, last episode. Um, but just the fact that that was live, there's, you know, there's no editing. There's no, re- like, that was it's just It's hard great. to edit with one arm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. What? Great, great call to moment. Loved it. Let's go. <laughs> um, he had a okay. good speech. Yeah. Um, so I think that takes us to the finale, which was this Vecna, let's ring the bell thing, which, as the sheets brought up earlier, boy, was totally different than the first time they did the Vecna ring the bell thing. Um, It may have gone pretty well in the end. We'll find out next season, I guess, which is not that far away. Can we start there? I don't want to interrupt this file, but do you think it ended well? I mean, I think Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes or no? Like everyone, defined everyone well, here. but there's not, not like just a well. human attacking. I'm going with yes. That's a that's your that's your definition of good or bad. Well, they got it the could have out. gone so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> I think it ended not as well as it seems. Agreed. The flames are bringing it. Oh yeah, th- there's going to be consequences. Mm-hmm. And I think we mentioned this maybe in the last episode. I think I think Ames mentioned it that flames. Eh, where whatever, <laughs> whatever she's choosing to go by today. Um, yeah, it, it it's going to come down to dice rolls and how people behave, and really what his attitude state is. His statement of "we need to have a chat" could mean so many things. Who are you referencing? 
Vecna. Oh, that would Vecna. be Vecna. <laughs> okay. Hey, everybody. I want to thank you for listening to this recap of Group B. Uh, we did record uh, probably another hour worth of discussion topics, and I think we alluded to some of those during this first part of this episode. Um, I don't know when or if all of those discussions are going to get released. I'm actually headed out on vacation, and I just got this part where we talked about the episodes edited, and I will try to get some of those discussion things put together and put that out at a later date. But for right now, uh, this is what we have for Group B, and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back to record a Group C um, in the middle of August, actually. So thanks again.